Welcome to PMA Takes on Tech, the podcast that explores the problems, solutions, people, and ideas that are shaping the future of the produce industry. I'm your host, Bonnie Estes, Vice President of Technology for the Produce Marketing Association, and I've spent years in the ag tech sector. So I can attest, it's hard to navigate this ever-changing world in developing and adopting new solutions to industry problems. Thanks for joining us and for allowing us to serve as your guide to the new world of produce and technology. My goal of the podcast is to outline a problem in the produce industry and then discuss several possible solutions that can be deployed today. Stout Industrial Technology collaborates with customers to build and launch industrial technology solutions that are designed to last. The Smart Cultivator combines a proprietary, agriculturally proven mechanical platform with Stout True Vision technology to eliminate weeds and cultivate ground in a single pass. Visit stoutagtech.com. That's S-T-O-U-T-A-G-T-E-C-H.com to learn more. Hello, today we are changing things up and I'm the one on the other side of the microphone. This episode is a conversation I had with The Modern Acre recently. Listeners of this podcast will remember my interview with Tyler and Tim Nuss on Regenerative Ag, episode 10 on December 8th. I was also a guest on one of their early podcasts. I love talking to Tim and Tyler about their podcast, their family farm, and growing up in the produce industry. Besides being involved with their family farm, Tim works for Appeal, a PMA member focused on reducing food waste and featured in episode six. And Tyler works for Rivian, an electric truck and SUV company in Southern California. You will hear some reference to me seeing an electric SUV in the wild at the end of the show. Make sure you check out The Modern Acre. They have nearly 170 episodes and cover a lot of topics around ag tech, and they were an inspiration for me to start PMA Takes on Tech. Let's jump into the conversation with Tim and Tyler. Bonnie's a great friend of the show, and it was great to have her back on. We talked a ton of different areas that we wanted to just dive in and get her perspective on. She's she's really an expert in the space. And so we talk about her starting her podcast. We talk about the the million or billion dollar question that is ag tech exits. And so she she really gives an overview of what SPACs are and why they're getting so popular and they're so hot right now in the space and the companies that are are choosing to exit and an IPO via SPAC. We also get into carbon markets and just the emphasis on on carbon with the regenerative agriculture movement. So we hit on all the fun stuff today, guys. And and Bonnie, I think, brings a ton of great insights into it. And we finished the show talking a little bit about her seeing a Rivian in the wild. So that was pretty fun as well. But without further ado, let's jump in. Bonnie, it's great to have you back on the podcast. We've built a relationship over the years. We've been on your podcast. want to actually start there. Since we talked to you last on our podcast, you've started your own. So want to just talk about how that's been for you, what it was like kind of starting, starting a podcast for you and what you've learned so far. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Um, you guys were an inspiration to me. And I think 
we started the podcast last June and it's called PMA Takes on Tech. And my idea was, uh, especially during COVID, since I couldn't go out and talk to members or travel that I would start, this was a way to continue conversations that I wanted to keep having um, during COVID. And so we started last June and it was, I was a consumer of podcasts. Your podcast was the first one I listened to kind of in the ag space. And I thought, well, I'll just give this a shot. And we had no idea if it was going to work or not. Like who's going to listen to this and all the, the learnings of buying the right microphone and, you know, all the things that come with it. But uh, we just dropped today our 20th episode. So we've done 20 and we are in spitting distance of 100,000 listeners, which is um, really exciting. It's quite amazing that we've gotten that many people to listen to it. And the, the format that I use is usually bring in someone to kind of talk about a problem or a, a region kind of overall. And then I bring in two or three companies to talk about solutions. And I've recently been doing a lot of work um, in other regions outside of North America, which has been fun for me since I can't travel. But it's it's really, I've learned things I, I hadn't expected in, in looking at these different regions. But um, yeah, it's really it's really been a, a great thing to work on. And I've really enjoyed it and, and just love that I have a following. And thanks, you guys, for being my inspiration. It's been really fun watching you kick kick that off and and listening. It's a, a big milestone to hit twenty episodes. It's a a lot of work, as I'm sure you're you're realizing. But it's cool to see you going down that path. And I think a really really opportune time to get into the space with COVID and the lack of travel and a way to kind of educate yourself, which is something that Tyler and I find super super rewarding with the podcast is just talking to really smart people and learning about what's going on in the space. Yeah, definitely. And I think working, um, I am right now working on a Singapore episode, an Israel episode, and a Chile episode. And at this point, really talking about how these ecosystems are developing in these other areas. And I wouldn't have asked the question that way. Um, I've done also one in Brazil and Australia, but it's just how I'm thinking about during COVID and doing the podcast of framing the question of like, how do, you know, what are the ecosystems in these different regions? How are these companies? Formed, how do they think about going global? You know, in Singapore, if you develop um, a company and you get, you know, investment, you, you better have your eye globally because there's not, <laughs> it's a pretty small country. So it's been really interesting just to hear about, you know, new technologies and how they're being started in other places. Yeah, I think that's super important to keep the, the global lens and not just focus solely on, on U.S. companies. I think there's a lot of innovation, like you're, like you're saying, out of, out of Singapore, where it's really centralized, a lot of ag tech popping up there in the Middle East and getting kind of the, the holistic lens on what's happening. Well, Vonnie, we'd like to talk about something that's kind of top of mind for us. We saw in the news recently that PMA and the United Fresh announced a merger. Can you give us any insights into the merger? Yeah, sure. So I'm sure most of your produce industry listeners are aware of the PMA and United Fresh coming together to form um, one company. And that will start next year, January 1st next year. And so both, both organizations will continue to run as they've been running this year. Um, but we're really excited about the groups coming together. And many people have watched this um, over the years and thought this would be a good idea. Um, I'm forming this new global trade association to serve the industry um, with the strengths of both organizations. So there's a transition team in place uh, to make it all happen. So stay tuned and see how this all unfolds. And um, both organizations will continue to have 
their events that they plan for this year and the new um, organization will form at the beginning of next year. Awesome. No, really appreciate that update and, and definitely really exciting, I think, for the industry. And <laughs> it'll be awesome to follow just that transition. It's definitely a, a big undertaking, but I'm sure will be a, a lot of exciting uh, stuff in the future. So we'll stay tuned for that. Bonnie, want to dive into a few different topics um, that we've chatted about on the podcast. Want to get your take, um, obviously, being in the in the produce industry and, and focusing on ag tech. One thing that obviously we talk a lot about on the podcast is regenerative agriculture and the focus on soil health and how that relates to sequestering carbon. So I know there's been just a ton of discussion on podcasts, on big news publications. There's a lot of headlines surrounding carbon markets. And especially with the new, new administration, there's been a lot of talks on about that. So we'd just love to park here for, for a few minutes and talk about your thoughts about carbon markets and the, the emphasis and focus on regenerative ag. Yeah, it's been really amazing. I mean, throughout my career, there's been a, a couple of kind of big ideas or big things that have happened that have turned everybody and focused everybody's attention. And and uh, one of those early on in my career was um, genetic modification, and I got very involved in that at an early stage. Another one was biofuels in the biofuels industry, and there's you know a lot of learnings from from that. In this case, I think. Um, and then I've worked more recently on gene editing and some of those technologies. And so this is another one where suddenly like everybody's talking about it. And I think part of it is because of the change in administration and, and suddenly we're paying a lot more attention to climate and climate change. And then that's brought into looking at how do we sequester more carbon? So I think from an overview, you know, there's just a lot of different forces. You know, we've got companies, we, we've got the, the government paying attention to it and starting to put money into it. We've got um, companies, you know, the major food and ag companies like Cargill and, um, General Mills and some of the other big companies there, they're saying we really want to talk about carbon um, friendly practices and regenerative ag. And then we've got consumers now saying, you know, we're really interested in, you know, you showing us that the way that you're growing and that this is good for the environment. And that's the kind of food I want to eat. So I think what makes this moment different is that we've got all of those different interests of people saying, yes, we want this and we want it now. And then the rest of the market, you know, this whole system is kind of floundering saying, well, how do we deliver this? This is really complicated. And, and we're not even sure how to measure carbon in the soil and over what period of time. And so I think it's really fascinating um, to look at how do we build the system and not how do we just get a bunch of tools and stack the tools together, but how do we develop the system where... Um, producers don't take all the risks. Producers actually get paid and get rewarded and get supported for sequestering carbon and that there are tools that are easy to use and that are verifiable and that there's a system to sell the carbon credits and that's set up and there's a system to buy the, the carbon credits and that's set up. And so that whole system needs to be put into place. And right now, it's just a bunch of moving pieces that I think is confusing a lot of people. Yeah, it's a, a super interesting space. It still feels feels very early, almost like the Wild West, where you read about these deals where it's hundreds of thousands of dollars for for carbon credits. And I think the the industry is going to mature here quite a bit. Like Tyler and I get asked about it quite a bit on the farm. Are we 
into into carbon markets and we've we've poked around a little bit but we still haven't found anything for for our particular size and scope of our operation that makes sense we've talked to a few and in a lot of cases just the the cost to to process the transaction is more than the value of the the credit itself so for us personally i think we're we're viewing it as kind of a, a nice to have we're not building in, into our uh, 2021 budget or next year's budget <laughs> but i think we're we're hoping that in the future that becomes a, a part and a potential revenue stream to to supplement what we're doing with our actual crop revenue are you having people approach you like saying that they want to buy credits for you or they want to help you set up a way to measure? Is that is are they coming to you and starting to offering you different systems? Not yet. We've we've reached out to a couple companies that you see that are popping up in this space. Us reaching out to them, we haven't really put ourselves out there as far as like opening ourselves up to it. I'm not sure if there's a, a marketplace that exists like that, but I think that could be interesting where farmers that are interested, you can almost start collecting a, a database of who's interested, who's doing what to kind of understand the addressable market. Oh, that's hey. a great idea. It's a good business hey. model. <laughs> hey, it, it's for sale, guys. Anyone listening, hey, if you want to if you want to approach us, we can we'll we'll figure out a deal. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, especially in the produce industry is, you know, like like you all are, you know, people aren't really approaching us as much yet as they are like, you know, corn and soy and then the more broad acre crops. But when you look at the crops that you guys grow, like there's a lot of carbon in, in those roots. And so I think really thinking about the produce industry and, and how we can make this be a positive um, for people doing what they're already doing or, you know, making minor changes. Um, and so I think it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out, but I really see it as, you know, they'll start being some really good pilot programs. And I, I think putting some government money in is good and some incentives is good. And the government has to be involved to kind of get this nascent industry off the ground a little bit, but but not not set it up with a bunch of subsidies and not set it up with a bunch of unrealistic expectations and not have the government pick winners and losers, but just kind of enable the market. But I think it's going to be, you know, at least five years before we really have something that that's working throughout the whole system. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like, you know, one thing I think is important is just the technology, right? I mean, I think most of these uh, programs or companies are, are using the Comet system, um, which which has a lot of flaws. It's 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 really clunky and it, it uses is based on a lot of assumptions, right? So there there's got to be a balance, and I think it's going to happen over the next few years, like you said, of the technology to actually measure this stuff, because I think that'll be a, a really critical piece of it. Yeah. How do you measure it? You know, how do you verify it? Um, how long, how permanent does it need to be? Um, you know, I think there's a, a lot of questions there that we just, and then making sure that we're measuring the right thing and what, and what we're doing is really good for the soil and good for the environment. You know, I think you, you started off this piece that, you know, talking about regenerative ag. And I think that's, that's such an important part of it is, yeah, you know, let's, let's, let's not all focus so much on um, carbon in the soil, but let's make sure that we're doing practices that actually are better for the soil, better for the land and better for the food that we're producing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, definitely really interesting space. We'll be obviously following very closely um, with what happens in carbon markets and regenerative, but Vani, want to want to switch gears here and talk about ad tech exits and, and, introductions to the market. So I think this has been a, a really common theme or question within the ad tech industry over the past 
five, 10 plus years of what our exit's going to look like. And we've seen a few recent companies going public via SPACs, um, as well as a few other exits in the space. So just want to get your perspective on, on what you're seeing the industry is trending towards right now. Yeah, this is so exciting. I'm, I'm so excited about this. You know, it's like, Exits. We're really having exits, and and I remember when I first started working in, in what we started calling ag tech, you know, six eight years ago, and and I got asked to speak on a number of panels where people were saying, okay, is clean tech, you know, is ag tech the new clean tech, and is it going to completely fail? And people, you know, money was really nervous about, do we really want to invest in this, and is this real? And then, you know, in 2017, we had Blue River and Granular, you know, were, were two pr- pretty good exits, pretty uh, positive for the companies. That was 2017. And I don't know that there's been anything big since then. You know, we, we still hold on whenever anyone says, well, what are the exits? And we're like, oh, there's Granular and Blue River. <laughs> but that was 2017. So, so I am so excited this year that there's so much going on. Um, and SPACs has been, that they've been amazing. And I, you know, I'll just briefly, I'm sure most people know what they are, but they're special purpose acquisition companies and they're created to raise money that will be used to take a private company public through a, a merger at a, a future date. So it's a new way of kind of raising money and it's a little less risky for the company. And um, it often, you know, companies look at, you know, I know a number of companies have gone through this. They say, okay, if, if I do another raise, if I do my series D and I raise, you know, $400 million, what's my valuation going to be? Or do I do a SPAC and go public and get a much better valuation. And so I think that's why a number of companies, both in our sector and in other sectors are saying, you know, this is amazing. Let's let's go to market this way because it, it makes more sense. Um, in my house, my husband works for 23andMe and they just announced that they're doing a SPAC. So we're, woohoo, you know, we're pretty excited about that as well. Um, so it's, it's happening and it really, it, it brings in a number of different people that invest and a, a different way to go to market. Um, than has happened in the past. So there's been 306 SPACs that have gone public in all sectors this calendar year. Um, and sometimes this is a better way of going. Um, and ag may be part of this because um, the investors in SPACs are looking for more high growth and significant more long-term potential. And so that's pretty exciting. So did a little background on SPACs. And so App Harvest was the first one in our sector that um, that did a SPAC and they got $435 million in unrestricted cash um, from that. And so what they're going to do with that, they say, is just build more farms. And it's a great infusion of cash for them to really be able to expand. And then the second one that we've seen is Aero Farms and their public offering, they're going to be valued at $1.2 billion. Um, and this uh, their IPO will close at the quarter two of this year. And that will leave the merged entity with over $300 million of unrestricted cash at close. And so Aero Farms, again, you know, will have this cash that they can use um, to expand, which is super cool. So those are the those are the two SPACs um, that have happened, and then um, App Harvest turned around and bought uh, Root AI, and so that's a great exit for the investors, the people in Root AI. So that's another example of kind of what's happening with the maturation of the market. Farmers Edge um, went public on the Canadian Stock Exchange, and so that you know that's another great IPO of of, of a company going forward. 
there's been some smaller companies that have come together, um, kind of mergers like Fluorostat, um, and there's you know been some other exits of those types. So it really is this interesting maturation of the market that's so exciting to watch, and it will bring more money to the market as investors see that you know yes we can invest in this space and we can get out and we can make money. Um, I think we'll see more companies going public. This isn't based on inside information at all, but I wouldn't be surprised to see plenty go public. And and Impossible Foods has already said that they're looking at going public. So I I think it's a great time for the industry. And I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it's a super fun time in this space. It's like the saying, like everything happens slowly, then all at once. And it seems like everything's happening all at once in, in Q1 of 2021. Yeah, while we're all sitting around staring at our computer screens, you know, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's been been pretty cool. Well, the co- the companies that you mentioned, Vani, App Harvest, Aero Farms, like uh, and Plenty that you mentioned, like all the common theme is that they're indoor farming companies. Anything that you think is unique about indoor farming and why now um, that all this money is being raised? Yeah, I think it is pretty exciting that this has really caught hold, especially at a time when, you know, it's still hard to show given some of the high energy costs that we're going to make a lot of money, you know, in the U.S. with these types of farms. But I think they're driving costs down. A lot of the costs are going down um, with the inputs for indoor. And I I think there's a number of things. I think um, the whole sustainability story around indoor that you're using less, you have to use a lot less crop protection products. They're um, using a lot less water. The footprint is a lot smaller. So I I think that whole story uh, around sustainability for that sector and also not having to transport um, product as far because you can lo- locate closer to markets. So I think that story is playing really well with investors and, and has really grabbed people's attention. Um, I think for you know the PMA members that um, are in Salinas and in other areas where we're growing a lot of leafy greens outside, I think that's still is a really important part of the market. And I, I think what the indoor ag growers are doing are, are growing the market. They're making the pie bigger. So it's not taking anything away from those that are growing outside. And I, I also think a lot of the technology that's being developed indoor because the cycle times are fast and because we're putting these really brilliant um, computer scientists in there to study how plants grow. I think there's going to be a lot of learnings that we're going to get um, and a lot of breeding we're going to be able to do that we're going to be able to apply to outside as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, taking taking those learnings where the the money's invested there and and bringing it outside, I think is is really interesting prospect. Yeah, and and I think in general, I, I, I'm super curious to see how the the indoor farming, vertical farming um, movement compares to the regenerative ag movement and focusing mm-hmm. on the soil, right? And so right. I think it's going to be two two parallel movements to to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, I think they can certainly coexist, um, and people can love them both. <laughs> No, yeah, and that's and that's. I think that's what Tim and I have 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 long uh, discussed. Is I think there there's different use cases, and I think um, there's not necessarily a right answer. I think there's there's room for innovation and different techniques and approaches within the space, and it's going to take a lot of work across the industry to to push each other, right? Um, and where where maybe indoor 
falls in some areas, maybe regenerative falls short in other areas, right? So um, I think I think it's it going to be important to have that competition and innovation in these different approaches. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with indoor beyond leafy greens. You know, I know Plenty's been talking about um, in their work they're doing with Driscoll's and and developing strawberries and other companies. You know, App Harvest is is greenhouse, not vertical, but you know they're doing mostly tomatoes and and other crops. And so it'll be interesting to see how that um, how that grows and what other crops we can get into. And, and I think also overseas and in, in areas that it may be harder to grow outside, you know, how is that going to take off? You know, uh, as I mentioned, I was been talking to people in Singapore this week and it's a real push in Singapore. You know, they, they import 90% of their food and with the supply chains disruptions this year, they started thinking, you know, how, how do we really push forward and getting more food produced in Singapore if there's a larger supply chain disruption. And so they have a plan 30 by 30, which is produced 30% of the food that they eat uh, by 2030. And so I think looking at other areas where vertical farms may be a, a better solution for lots of different reasons. Totally. Well, Vani, as we, we start to wrap up here, what, what companies or trends are you following right now that you're most excited about? So I think this kind of goes with my trend when I was talking about exits and, and maturation of the industry. And what I like seeing is uh, a lot of the companies that are starting to kind of support these bigger trends. And I sit on this board of uh, a group, it's called IN2, and it's um, NREL, the National Renewable Energy Lab in Colorado, and the Danforth Center in St. Louis and Wells Fargo came together and um, work with really early stage companies to just help support them both do the science either at NREL or at the Danforth Center um, and and also with some funding to help them get going. And so we just finished up um, a program with them where it was all about indoor ag technology. So I think they started, I don't know how many applications they got, but they narrowed it down to 33. And then um, we had to narrow, we, the people on the board had to narrow it down to five. And, you know, it's typical pitch day where you sit there and listen to, you know, 10 pitches. Um, But it was really fascinating to see all these different companies that are looking at different kinds of lighting and different kinds of watering systems and different kinds of breeding. And so I'm really seeing this kind of maturation that we're starting to have companies develop and come up that are supporting the big trends like like indoor ag. I think the, you know, I'm always going to talk about genetics, but I think, you know, what's happening in breeding is really exciting when you've, you've got, you know, a lot of companies like Pairwise and Vincent Hill and companies like this that are, that are looking at using new breeding techniques and supporting the industry, you know, with, with new germplasm and new, um, new types of traits. And I, I talked to a, a startup company yesterday, um, which is coming out of the Indie Bio Accelerator, and they've got a, a really interesting technology that's kind of on the very front end of that to help people figure out um, genotype to phenotype. So, so do that very first step faster. And so, it, you know, two young guys that are looking at that differently. And so, so I love that, you know, we're starting to see just these supporting types of industries. One other one is around, um, I know you guys have worked a lot, um, talked a lot about around um, robotics and kind of 
augmentation. And I think a number of the, the half step solutions, you know, like Burrow and some of those, which are, you know, get these little robots out in the field now, get them working now. And then, you know, we'll get into the big gigantic ones that are a little harder, but, um, but I love seeing that, you know, that we're really getting things out that are being used. Love that overview, and I think you're you think you're spot on. It's a lot of the the infrastructure, the supporting um, spaces that I think is going to be where a lot of value is created, uh, and hopefully much of that value is going to the farmer. But no, lo- love that overview, Vani. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, we really appreciate your insight. You're always a wealth of knowledge. As we finish up, you know, I just want to ask, what was it like to see a Rivian in the wild? It sounds like you. Uh, you saw a Rivian doing some on-street testing. This was so cool. So I was walking down the dog park with my two dogs and I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, that is such, that's so cool. What is that? And then I went up and I saw what it was and it was, the paint job was amazing. The whole, it was just amazing, but there was yeah, no was one in the there. wrap. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just kind of standing around and then I was walking back from the dog park and there was a guy and his dog and there's like four people standing around. And so I kind of let my dogs drift over, you know, so I could start the conversation. Yeah, very <laughs> casual. Like, yeah. Yeah, very casual. And then like, those weren't even out yet. How do you even have this vehicle, you know? And um, so he was like opening the door and showing me the inside of it. And, and it was Oh, just, that's awesome. Yeah, it was so cool. And and it's he didn't tell me the name of the company, I'm sure you know, but um, um the, they said they designed the software and here in Palo Alto. And so um, it was just this really amazing Menlo Park moment where like the dogs are talking to each other and I'm looking at this car that, you know, isn't even really out on the street in many places yet. So I was, I was psyched, you know. <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. I, I have not seen one in the wild yet. One of the, one of the test vehicles. So yeah, we're getting super close to launch them to the public. Uh, definitely like really exciting time for, for us as a company. This, this year is going to be uh, quite the adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. It was, you know, I I felt privileged. It's only because, well, they were asking me like how I knew about it. They're like, how do you know so much? Because I was asking them about like the customer service where they were, you were saying that, you know, every vehicle goes out is going to have like their own customer service person. And and so I just, I knew way too much. How do you know so much? And so I mentioned you and, and it it was just a very exciting moment. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Vani, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for being on. Yeah, great to be here. So Ty, what do you think? We got to talk about all the fun stuff today. So that 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 was that was really fun. I loved Vonnie's take. One thing I learned was I, I've kind of had a negative connotation towards SPACs, Tim. The connotation I have is it's for for companies that maybe aren't prepared to to go the traditional IPO route and so to get her perspective on actually a lot of the advantages of it even from the from the company's perspective and the employee's perspective I think was was really important and I think I think it they could fill a huge need within this within the industry especially in ag tech where historically it has been hard to go the path of IPO so I think there's probably a lot of really strong companies that SPACs may be a fit for. But time will tell about if this whole SPAC model is really here to stay or or if we're going to see a bubble. 
Yeah, I had a pretty similar takeaway. I thought that was an interesting perspective looking at it from from both sides. And I think like with with the Coinbase IPO that was a direct listing, I think there's a lot of nuance in how companies go public and a lot of implications for kind of existing shareholders, stockholders, investors on what that means and the route they, they use to go public. So I think we'll probably see more of these creative ways to go public in the future. Well, hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun to just hit on some of our, our favorite hot button issues right now, carbon markets, regenerative ag, indoor ag. And so that was a lot of fun with Bonnie. What a fun conversation. I hope that was interesting for my listeners to hear some of my background and thoughts on current hot topics. Please let me know if there are other topics you would like me to touch on in future episodes. I'm going to continue doing regional episodes. I have part two ready on Israel and I'm setting up focus episodes on Chile and Mexico. I'm also planning an episode on floral and then of course, taking my turn talking about carbon. You can reach me at vestus at pma.com with any additional ideas. That's it for this episode of PMA Takes on Tech. Thanks for allowing us to serve as your guide to the new world of produce and technology. Be sure to check out all our episodes at pma.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and I would love to get any comments or suggestions of what you might want me to take on. For now, stay safe Eat your fruits and vegetables, and we will see you next time.